Father, as we turn to your word, we pray that it would transform us, Lord, that it would speak into our lives in a variety of ways, that the things that we're going through, the, the joys and the pain, or whatever it may be, that your word would penetrate our hearts and our minds. Lord, let the reality of your kingdom become our everyday experience as your people. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning again. It is great to have you here. We are starting a series on prayer. We're going to spend a few weeks talking about prayer. And to kick off, I want to share a few statistics with you regarding prayer. The poorer someone is, the more likely it is that they pray daily. In self-reporting, 38% of those who made less than $30,000 a year prayed daily, compared to 15% of those who made over 100000 The greater the education a person has, the less likely they are to pray daily. 9% of those who have a postgraduate degree pray daily, compared to 43% of those with a high school degree or less. Now, this one at first struck me as odd. Non-parents are more likely to pray daily than parents. By a large margin, 69% to 31%. And initially, I thought, that is weird. And then I thought, now, wait a minute. I have to take my kids to soccer, to school, do homework, clean murals off of walls, and generally keep them alive on a regular basis. I have no time to pray. Okay, that makes more sense. This one, you may not be surprised at. More women pray daily than men. There's another category, praying once a week. More women pray in that category than men. But don't worry, guys. We also win at a category. In the seldom and never praise, we beat them pretty badly. Here's what I would say. Based on 20 years of being in church ministry, prayer is hard. It often raises more questions than it answers. It causes people all kinds of guilt and angst. A lot of people just give up. They just don't pray that much. In a book written by Christopher Hall, he describes a situation like this. And just see if you relate to this. Prayer itself is difficult to write about, largely because it is difficult to comprehend. I speak to God, yet I don't see God. I've never heard God respond audibly to my prayers. On my worst days, I wonder, is God really there? Is God listening? Can God make sense of my babblings? Am I talking too much? Does the Lord wish that I would just quiet down a bit? 
if God is, if this is supposed to be a two-way conversation, how do I even know when God is speaking to me? How do I discern the difference between God's voice and the lingering effects of last night's pizza? And my goodness, am I distracted. The moment I sit down, I feel like there are 10,000 bumblebees flying around the atmosphere of my brain. Can anybody relate to that? Prayer is difficult. Now, I will not pretend that this series is going to make prayer easy. But what I do hope is that we get a better understanding of prayer that is more in line with the reality of God's kingdom so that we all begin to pray more. And I want to argue something that the reason prayer is so hard is because we use it wrongly. And when we use it wrongly, it sets up expectations that are not fulfilled. And those lack of expectations lead to disillusionment, guilt, all kinds of other things. All right, this is a cool little toy that my son recently got for his birthday. He turned one last Wednesday. And this was a toy he got. You've probably seen something like this. You take a little car and you put it on the ramp. And if it works, it does that (laughs) and goes to each ramp. Now, when my son and I sat down to play with this toy, this is what my one-year-old son did. He took this yellow car and began to eat it. (laughs) And he chomped on it for a while, and then he threw that car away. And then he grabbed this green car, and he began to eat it. And he chomped on that for a while, and that didn't work either. So he grabbed the blue car, and he got the blue car caught a ways in there. In fact, if my wife had seen it, she would have been horrified, because I'm pretty sure it was almost all the way in his mouth. But you know what? Not once did putting those cars in his mouth get them to go down these ramps. And when I finally said, buddy, no, no, which, you know, I'm talking to a one-year-old, you got to put the cars on the ramp. He then knocked it over. So I picked it back up. Guess what he did? He knocked it over again. It still did not get the cars on the ramps. So then I thought, well, what if I take his hand and I kind of put him there? Well, then he picked up a car and he threw it at the ramps. None of those approaches ever got those cars down these ramps. But that's not the device's fault. If you put these on correctly and it's on a flat surface as opposed to my hand, it works. Like over and over and over again, we use this thing and it works. But if you don't use the device the way it's intended to be used, it's probably going to create frustration. I would argue that's the problem with prayer. Not that there aren't some times where it's just hard. We're going to talk about those too. But fundamentally, there are misconceptions about prayer. So that prayer gets used in ways it was never intended to be used. Therefore, it creates expectations in us that are not fulfilled. And when they're not fulfilled, here's what happens. Either I start feeling guilty because, well, something must be wrong with me, right? Otherwise, this would be working. It works for everybody else. And by the way, no, it doesn't. Just in case you've ever felt that. Everybody else struggles just like you struggle. So I feel guilty 
I feel angry. I start thinking, well, what's the point? But what it leads to is a lack of regular prayer. So what I want to talk about this morning is the nature of prayer and a couple of misconceptions. And I want to tie that to the nature of God because that's who we're praying to. The nature of prayer tied to the nature of God. So, a couple of misperceptions about prayer. I wonder where my little car went. Oh, it's really hard to pick stuff up in this robe. A white dress. Couple of misperceptions. It's very interesting to me. The reason I switched this passage is because I'm fascinated as, I mean, the disciples' experience with Jesus was this. He disappeared a lot. Like he would take off for hours. They'd wake up, he's gone. Sometimes he's gone all night long. He'll send them somewhere and he'll go do something. What is he doing? Most of the time, he's praying. And at some point, and I'm really thankful for this, at some point, the disciples are like, that's not what my prayer life looks like. Like, I don't disappear for hours. I'm not getting up at three o'clock in the morning and going, that's not what my prayer life is like. And they come up and say, teach us to pray. I mean, John taught his disciples, will you teach us to pray? Because there is something in the way you pray that is really different from the way we pray. And I'm wondering if his answer was a little bit of a letdown. Like he gives them this little tiny prayer, and then he stops. And I can see Peter going, and? That's not three hours, Lord. That's like 30 seconds. What are you doing the rest of the time? But that's what he gives them. And and we're going to talk throughout this series about this particular prayer. Today, we're going to highlight one part as we come to the end of these misconceptions. And it's how he begins it. Father, that is really central to prayer. All right, misconception number one. Prayer is a conversation with God. It is not a monologue, it's a dialogue. I cannot tell you how many times I have heard this. And I'm here to tell you that is not a good definition of prayer. It is so prevalent that I actually did a Google search for prayer is not conversation with God. I got nine results on page one. The top result was prayer is not a conversation with God. It was an article in Christianity Today. The next eight were this. Prayer is a conversation with God. Even searching for it, I couldn't get it to come up. It is so prevalent. I want to give you some thoughts about this. Number one, think about a conversation you have with a person. When I sit down to talk with you, in our communication, in our dialogue, I am watching your facial features. I'm listening to your tone of voice. I'm looking at your body language. That's how we have conversations. Even when we're on the phone, we're listening to tone, inflection, silence. All of these things play into our conversation. You have none of that with God. Here's another part of our conversation. If I sit down to talk with you, I am sharing something with you 
that you probably don't already know. And sometimes I'm going to stop and I'm going to be thinking, all right, how do I share this? Um, Are you going to misunderstand me? Or I don't know if I'm ready to share that yet. I'm going to hold that back. I think I'm I'm going to wait a little while. Do you know that God already knows the thoughts that you can't even put into words yet? Like there's no hiding, there's no holding back, there's nothing. He already knows, he knows it better than you do. He knows the thoughts that you're trying to figure out better than you know them. You cannot have a conversation with God in the same way that we think of conversation. It's not possible. And here's the problem. When people approach it that way, I'm just gonna be upfront with you. I have never had a conversation with God. And if you think to yourself, oh my goodness, and that's my pastor, I guess I better find a new church. Most people have never had a conversation with God. But what happens when you approach that and you think this is what's supposed to happen? I'm supposed to have a dialogue. And it doesn't happen. You start going, okay, what's wrong with me? Why can't I hear God? And here's the other thing that drives me crazy. Every time you talk about a conversation with God, you're gonna hear this language. It's a still, small voice. And some of you are laughing because you know that's exactly the language. So here's the thing. One passage out of the entire scripture in the book of Kings is the entire way we're gonna define conversation with God. Not how he talks to Abraham or Moses, because why? Because that's not what he does with us. But with the still, small voice, you, you kind of listen, and you just hope. Am I really hearing? Can I tune this out? Maybe that was God. Can you imagine having a conversation like that with anybody? Where you sit down and you share, and then they start to talk, and you're going, because uh, they're doing this. And you're like, what? And you got to lean in. And then when you actually do hear what they're saying, they're going, Okay, well, that means something. Um, I wonder what that is. And then you happen to notice that their finger is laying on the table, and it looks like it's kind of pointing, and you look at the wall, and there's a picture, and there's a cat hanging on, and it says, hang on there. Oh, wait, you're telling me to hang on. Okay, what am I going through? I'm supposed to hang on, and there's a, oh, there's a green hat over there. Maybe you want me to, that's ridiculous. (laughs) It is absolutely ridiculous what we end up doing is we start forcing the issue. We start forcing God to give us some cryptic message. There are 150 prayer monologues in the Bible, just in the book of Psalms. The primary example we have of prayer is dialogue. I mean monologue, sorry, let me get my own point right here. It is monologue. It is sharing with God. It's not back and forth. It's very much one way. If your prayers have been one way most of the time, by the way, God can speak, but rarely, outside of that one passage in Kings, rarely do people go, oh, I gotta listen harder. Or maybe I didn't hear that. No, they hear it. Or they know it. God can speak, but that should not be your expectation going into prayer, right? Number two, prayer is power. 
I just heard this yesterday. Prayer is power. Prayer is not power. And it's not semantics either. And you really need to hear this. Prayer is not something that in and of itself has any power whatsoever. It does not force the hand of God. It does not affect anything. It doesn't make God have to respond in some way. God is powerful. Don't mix up the two. Because the moment you start down the path where prayer is powerful, all of a sudden the focus is on what? My prayer. Like maybe my words need to be a certain way. My volume needs to be a certain way. If God's not hearing me, it's because I'm not doing. No, the power is always and only in God, not in your prayer. Because if prayer is powerful, then every religion in the world that prays has power. It is not about the prayer. It's about the person we're praying to. It's about God. And we need to know the difference. I was thinking about, we don't see a ton of these in Texas, and I think it's maybe related to like our hailstorms and stuff like that, but, um, but in California, you see lots of solar panels. Solar panels will provide electricity. But if they don't have something giving into them, they don't do anything. They are not the instigators. They don't have the power in and of themselves. Neither does our prayer. Our prayer does not make things happen. God makes things happen. And you need to hear the difference. So two things. Prayer is not primarily a conversation with God. And if you think that way, it's probably gonna hurt your prayer life. Prayer in and of itself is not power. God is the one that is powerful, not the prayers. What is it then? This might be a little bit of a letdown. Prayer is addressing God. Prayer is expressing yourself to God. And sometimes, God may talk back, God may lead you, God may do something, and sometimes God is gonna work in power, but prayer in and of itself is a relational activity between you and your Father. And I wanna come back to that thing where Jesus began to teach them. The first thing he says is Father. Now, here's what I want you to hear. That word should change your understanding of this prayer. Because let me replace it for a moment. If I were to start the Lord's Prayer with this, O dictator, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, and I keep going. What's the tone of that prayer? Fear? Um, just hope that you're doing enough? Because it was a dictator. The tone of this prayer starts this way. Father. And everything that follows is a relational request to a father. And if we don't start that way, if we don't understand when it is an address, but it's specifically as Jesus sets it up, it's an address to our father. That's our tone. And when you start realizing 
I want to give you some examples of some prayers, okay? And what I want you to listen for is the tone. It's all over the map. Because when I am expressing myself to my father, there's very little limitations on the things I might say. So listen to a few of these. Oh, Lord, rebuke me not in your anger. Don't discipline me in your wrath, but be gracious to me, Lord. I am languishing. Heal me. My bones are troubled. My soul is greatly troubled. Lord, how long? That's very personal. How about this? This is a very famous psalm. Everybody has heard this psalm. There's songs written for it. But I want you to think about this psalm as a personal prayer. Not just a a distant poem, but a personal thing. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars that you've set in place, what is man that you're even mindful of him? What's the son of man that you even care for him? I am so blown away. But it's very personal. It's not a deistic God who's just out there that created the world and disappeared. No, it's something personal. It's your work. I'm speaking directly to you, and I'm overwhelmed by it. It's so amazing. Listen to this one. I love you, O Lord, my strength, my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my shield and the horn of my salvation. I call upon the Lord who's worthy to be praised, and I'm saved. This is personal. I love you. Listen to this one. You'll recognize it too. Maybe not from the Psalms, but you'll recognize it from the Gospels. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning, oh my God, I cry out by day and you don't answer. And by night and I find no rest. That's personal. He's talking to his father. I mean, just put yourself for a moment in a room and you're talking to your father. And he's not answering. He's not helping. He's not rescuing you. It's very personal. Those are the Psalms. Those are our prayers. Our prayers are meant to be personal. I had this great time with my son this past week, my oldest son, who has decided that he wants to be an inventor. And he's working hard. Like he has decided to organize his whole room because inventors need good organization. He wants a desk. He's begun to draw out his inventions. He like draws all the diagrams. He writes what things are. And the other day, he calls me into his room and he begins to share. And he is so excited. He's like pulling out these diagrams. And he's telling me what everything is and what he wants to do. And talking about his room and the things he wants to do in his room. And there's just this like, he's so excited to share. And then, unfortunately, Aaron and I had to go somewhere. And so Aaron walks in and she says, hey, we gotta get going. And my son says this, but I wanna talk to daddy more. And here's the interesting thing. I had said almost nothing the whole time. He was so excited to share with his father what was in his heart, 
what was on his mind, what he was struggling with, what he wanted. And he asked for some things, but it was with his father, and he was excited about it. That is prayer. When we are there to share, I mean, this morning, before the service, my, my kids were taking their showers, and I had about 20 minutes, and I, and I had my sermon completely done, and I thought, I'm just going to go into a closet, like it talks about in Matthew, go into your closet and pray. And I went into my closet, and I sat down, and I thought, all week, I've been thinking about prayer as something different from what I've thought about it. Like, Lord, you, you want to hear from me. You, you want to know what I'm feeling, and, and you want me to share. And so I just sat down, and I started going, Lord, I'm a little nervous about this, and I could use your help. And I'm thinking about some of the difficulties that may be happening with some of the setup, and we've got this extra thing with coffee, and like that's just, it's one more step. And Lord, would you help with that? And I'm thinking about people and about people meeting Gina and being able to talk with her and, and, and whether she's excited or nervous or both of those things. And, and I'm just thinking about her, Lord, and I want you to, that's prayer. We're sharing with God. We're sharing what's on our heart. Yes, we're asking for things. And sometimes there is praise and there's thanksgiving, and there's confession, all those things. Because what? Prayer is expressing ourselves to God. And so all of that's involved. But it all comes with him as our father. I said I wanted to talk about the nature of God in regards to prayer. Father. Think about the image of the prodigal son. He has taken his inheritance, snubbed his nose at his dad, and said, I'm off. That should have happened after his dad died. But his dad said, no, I'm giving it all to you right now. And what does he do with it? He just goes and wastes it all. He doesn't send a letter back to dad. He doesn't do anything. And yet when we get back to the dad, what is the dad doing? He's looking and waiting for his son to come back. The passage we read in Revelation, that church is not described very well. Would you agree? I mean, they are pitiable. What a weird word. Um, I mean, they are like not, he wants to spit them out of his mouth. And yet, what's he doing at the end? He's knocking on the door to get in. Like, he wants to come in. Even to people who are rejecting him, who are filled with pride, he still wants to come in. If your picture of God is ever this, with arms crossed across his chest, and you've got to convince him of something, if your picture of God is that he's somewhere way over there, and if you just get, say enough or do enough or good enough, you'll get him back to listen, that is not the biblical image of God. He's the one looking for you. He's the one knocking on the door saying, I want to come in. When you sit down to pray, put this in your mind. God is listening. He wants to listen. He wants to hear from you. Is there a parent in the room who doesn't want to listen to their child? Sure, sometimes our kids drive us nuts and we need a break. <laughs> but if your child ever comes up to you and says, Daddy, Mommy, I want to share something with you. Do you ever do this? 
convince me it's worth listening to. That's not our heart. We're parents. And we're like getting down on our knees to go share. Like, I want to listen. What do you have to say? God wants to hear from us. I have one exhortation for you. This week, will you approach prayer not as expecting that you and God are going to have a dialogue, not expecting that, like, if I just pray, these things will happen, but coming to your Father and practicing and going, here's what's going on with me. I want to share it with you. I want to share the things I'm feeling. I want to share some of the things I'm struggling with. I want to ask you for some stuff because I need it. And I know you're listening. And if you do it for two minutes, that's awesome. If you do it for 10, that's great. You do it for three hours, you're heading toward Martin Luther range. Go for it. Kids are awesome. And you and I are his kids. I mean, hey, buddy, thank you for doing that because guess what we all just did when we heard his voice? We all smiled. God smiles when he hears you talking to him. Talk to your father. It's what he wants. It's interesting for me that I really did sit down with my son and I was gonna get him to do this thing. I really wanted him to do it. And I'd take his little hand and I'd move over here and I'd like set the car there and let it go. And I'd grab the next car and I'd move his little hand over here and put it on there. And we just kept doing it over and over again. And then on his own, he picked up a car and, and this is what he did. He went. And he picked up another car and he went. One time, it landed just perfectly and went down. And my son does one thing regularly. Yay! And he started going, yay! And I thought I was going to cry. It was so beautiful. All you got to do is just throw the car toward the thing. It doesn't even matter if it makes it on the ramp. It really doesn't. God just wants to hear from you regularly. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we're really thankful that you are our Father. Lord, I know that we've all had our difficulties with prayer. I've had mine. I've struggled at times with what to say. I've struggled with feeling like I'm just in this room talking to the ceiling. I've struggled with unanswered prayer or at least not answered the way I wanted it to be. Lord, I think those struggles are all over. Would you help us to see that you long to hear from us, that you're listening, that we can sit down and we can just share with you. Lord, help us to become more and more open with what we're feeling and struggling, with the joys in our lives, to sit down and share something really great with you that happened, knowing that even though you know everything, 
just like we as parents know, we love to hear our kids share. So Lord, help us to share with you. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.